listening to ACDC Beyond the Thunder, the podcast with the biggest balls of all, with your hosts, Kurt Squires and Greg Ferguson. It's time to rock. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to ACDC Beyond the Thunder, a podcast where we go behind the scenes and talk to extraordinary fans who've been influenced or touched by this extraordinary band. I'm your host, Kurt Squires, and this episode is sure to be a fun one. It turns out ACDC's search for a new singer, back when Brian Johnson's hearing loss forced him to leave the Rock or Bus tour, did not begin and end with Axl Rose who was eventually announced as the replacement for Brian on the Rockers' final stadium tour dates. In fact, ACDC came close to doing what Judas Priest had done before them, plucking a new frontman from the obscurity of the tribute band circuit in the form of vocalist Lee Robinson, a.k.a. Bon Johnson, of the band Thunderstruck out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Lee, welcome to ACDC Beyond the Thunder. Thanks for being here. And dude, can I just say... You were almost in ACDC. Almost. <laughs> and thanks for having me. So let's set the stage for our listeners. Uh, you're the lead singer of ACDC tribute band called Thunderstruck here in North Carolina. When Jeff Young, the founder and schoolboy outfit wearing lead guitarist, no relation to Angus, I suppose. <laughs> we'll do a DNA test later. Yeah. He receives a call from a booking agent in LA. And what did that message say? Uh, the message actually said, uh, I can still remember it. Uh, hello, this is Chris Dalston from, I want to say CAA, uh, agency and, uh, would like to get in touch with Lee Robinson. Could you please get in, give him to get us a call back? And that was pretty much the gist of it. And where were you at the time? When I heard the message, I was standing in Jeff's kitchen. Uh, he contacted me. I was at work and I want to say it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And what do you do for work? At that point in time, I was a commercial HVAC technician. Okay. So, and how do you get out of work like that? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeff called me, and actually, um, I had uh, I saw where Brian was off the tour. Uh, I contacted a friend of mine, asked him if he had any inside information, any numbers I could reach out to, um, and just put my name in the hat. And uh, he told me he didn't. So the next morning, you know, I went to work, thought about it. How could I go about reaching the band? Um, and I text Jeff and asked him if he thought of anything. And mm -hmm. he simply texted me back about an hour later and said, well, you might get your chance. And he told me to come over right now, get there. Uh, it's about an hour and a half drive. I would have lost a day of work, you know, and would have left in an emergency hurry without a really explanation to my boss. I told him don't be fooling around. And What did your boss say to you? Um, my immediate supervisor it, I have, I've known since I was about 15 years old. He's also my wrestling coach. So uh, <laughs> he told me to, you know, get out of there, go on. If it's a possible chance of a lifetime, take all the time you need. Uh, my head supervisor, I didn't really tell him anything other than I have to go, and he fired me. What? So Did he know the real reason? He did not know the real reason. No um, one, no red-blooded male would ever fire Someone for trying out for ACDC. So once it had been a little more solidified uh, via email and uh, texting with the tour manager, he eventually found out and called and gave me my job back. 
So, <laughs> but I was uh, pretty strict. They didn't want me to talk about it, um, you know, prior to them releasing any new singer information. So I just kept it quiet, and I said it's worth losing my job at this point if you know it goes through. So, wow, unbelievable. So it's the spring of 2016, five days after receiving this dream come true request. You find yourself on a short flight to Atlanta yes. to audition with ACDC. So first of all, what the hell do you do five days before you leave to Atlanta? Uh, well, for about two or three days straight, um, I practiced because I didn't know all the songs of the set. They were doing the Rocker Bus Tour. Right. Um, so I wanted to know which specific songs they did for the entire set, which I had no clue at the time. Uh, and I spent about two days in the woodshed, you know, going over vocals and, and trying to um, honestly, you know, in the in the tribute world, you have to be yourself, but also be that guy. So I spent two, three days trying to find my own voice in the songs um, so that when I got to the audition, I would not be a Brian or Bond copy. I would be a singer for them. Um, smart. So that a whole lot of not sleeping. <laughs> and, uh, the last night I went out, saw a little band, local bar band and had some drinks and just try to relax for the flight. That's so. a good plan. Yeah. I don't know how I would have handled that. And did, were you afraid of shooting your voice out, um, losing your voice? I've been doing it a long time. I felt pretty comfortable with my voice. So I wasn't too worried about that. You know, I'd run through the set. I'd take a break. I'd run through it again, take a break. You know, elongated break, not right. back to back. And then I'd do it again. I think I did it three times for about three days in a row, you know, at my leisure. I didn't, I wasn't pressed. I wasn't, you know, under the gun. So that helps out a lot. And then like, again, I took a, took a night off, rest yeah. up, rest your voice. Did me no good because I slept none and <laughs> <laughs> I was exhausted uh, for the audition, as a matter of fact. Well, just to back up a little bit, I heard that it was Cliff Williams who discovered you guys on YouTube who recommended you. Is that true? To the best of my knowledge, I did not specifically ask Cliff outright. Okay. Um, but from what I was told and what the tour manager told me, you know, just in passing, he said that Cliff had found me on YouTube. Yes. Which is interesting because he has North Carolina ties. He has a place out near Asheville, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that played into um, scoping you guys out too. I would guess maybe in his uh, searches, you know, because the internet stalks everybody, <laughs> that uh, perhaps... Yeah, it kind of gave him local searches. Right. So the time comes, it's March 14th, 2016. You enter an Atlanta studio where ACDC were conducting the auditions. The first thing you do is meet the road crew, right? Yes. And what happens uh, initially? Again, I was pretty tired, uh, exhausted. It's kind of everything was just happening very fast and almost surreal or very surreal. Right. Um. The guys went and told me and showed me all the crew's gear and Angus's rig and drum set stuff, and I know nothing about any of that. <laughs> and uh, like, you yeah, know, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, so they're showing it off like, "Hey, you're so impressed," and I'm like, "Yeah, man, that that says Marshall on the front. Good job." <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we ran through a couple songs, uh, and I actually could barely sing. I was so nervous and so uptight. I bet uh, we played with those guys. I think we did about thirty seconds of. Back in Black, and Touch Too Much. Oh, wow. Um, Which is a rare track for them. And then those guys claim to not know any other songs and to not know the entire songs, which I still don't believe. But it The was, tech crew? Yeah, the tech crew. You know, wow. after 35 years, they know every single song. But Oh, my God. I also heard that you were quite relieved once you 
found out that Brian Johnson has a teleprompter. Yes. So you didn't have to learn all of the lyrics to every song on a whim. I did have to learn them all, but <laughs> luckily, uh, with being tired and nervous with the teleprompter, I was just, yes, uh, instant relief. It was great. Out of curiosity, what did you wear? Uh, I wore a pair of uh, Durango leather riding boots, a pair of uh, Wrangler jeans, and a black t-shirt. Nope, I think I wore a Lion King t-shirt that day. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, giant Brian Johnson uh, English cap, huh? Not at all. That's probably a good idea. I actually met with uh, the tour manager and stage manager the night uh, previous to the audition uh, in the hotel and asked him specifically, uh, I assume you guys are not looking for a Brian Johnson replica. You're wanting someone to front the band and be their own person. And they said, absolutely. They said they will not be you know, interested in... Something you know, they weren't put on a karaoke contest, right? Know, so, right, but I think that is one of the most commonly asked questions Did I wear a Brian Johnson cap? And was, oh, strike that one, that's yeah. a boring question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, soon you're jamming, you're jamming with the road crew or the tech crew, um, not ACDC yet. And I heard that when they played the first verse to Back in Black, you froze. I didn't freeze so much as uh, I couldn't get anything out. I mean, I was trying. I wasn't, you know, stone statue. I was trying to sing, but I mean, my vocals were, it's also 9 a.m., I think, or something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, you know, but yeah, I was pretty nervous, man. And, um, didn't know what was going to come out, and nothing came out. <laughs> oh, my God. They actually uh, stopped playing, and I looked around. I said, have I wasted anybody's time yet? And they said, that's not for us to decide. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> so, what, so did you read the room and say, oh, my God, what do these people think of me? Uh, we did touch too much, uh, directly after that. And I got through a verse and a half. Um, it's just the bond stuff is harder to recreate if you're trying to be bond, but it's not as gravelly mm -hmm. as Brian or, or any kind of vocal style like that. So it came out a lot easier. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I did, I asked to go outside for a second after we had accomplished that and I had made a fool of myself. Um, and so, uh, Chris was his name. The stage production manager took me outside Kind of took a breather. He talked to me a little bit, and then back in we went. Well, that's good. You had that little break to collect your thoughts and get yourself pumped up and have a little support there. I don't know how many people could actually go through that and and not have balls of steel, you know. Apparently, Alex Rose made it through a little little better. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit. Oh, Axel. So then in walks Angus Young with nephew Stevie Young. Chris Laid and the guy who spotted you in the first place, Cliff Williams. Describe that moment to us. What happened next? I was talking with Tracy, who I believe to be Angus's full-time guitar tech. Um, and so I'm in the corner with him, and we're just chit-chatting, whatever, killing time. Really, I was drinking tea, trying to loosen up. Angus was the first to walk in the door, and he walks in maybe three inches and I see him out of the corner of my eye. I, you know, didn't go crazy, didn't lose my head or anything. You mean um, three inches tall? Yeah, just about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, it, and then he, so he walks in directly looking straight ahead as if he had blinders on, and he looks over at me. I'm still only looking at him through my peripheral, and uh, he just walks straight up to me, uh, just above my belt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he looks directly up at me in the face, sticks his hand out almost in my gut, shake hands he says hey i'm angus young no kidding and uh that was that then the rest of the guys kind of piled in um and we had lunch it was actually a really great hamburger which i thought was a little odd to be sitting around eating hamburgers 
before the audition, but now are you are you the type of guy that can eat before you sing? Uh, yeah. Um, I kind of went on like uh, raised and believed in the brass tacks method. I guess if I was running around on a hot stage in a festival or something, that'd be a little different. But I heard um, Ellen Angus's wife made the meal. Is that right? Uh, I don't think she made the meal. She presented the meal and she made my tea. Oh, so very nice. And she told me she's going to make me a true English tea, and it was wonderful. Wow, so. that that that's a long marriage right there. They, I think, they were married in 1980, and she has been with Angus side by side. No yeah. kids, but it's pretty amazing that she's um, right there in the middle of this audition. Yeah, I don't remember specifically, but she was at least as tall as I am, if not taller. So I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> I was going to say quite a pair. <laughs> that's quite a mismatch. Yeah. She was a lovely person, really nice. Um, I think actually meeting her helped me settle down for the true audition because she was very catering and very just caring and open. So it worked. Very cool. So I also heard that you were one of the few to audition in the same key that the songs were written versus tuning down half a step like uh, for Brian. Yeah. Um, so tell us about that. Well, that is what I was told. Um, I looked at the paper, glanced at the paper that I was not supposed to be looking at. And uh, as far as I saw, I was the only one with standard written beside his name. Um, yeah. And it was actually a moment in the song where I was singing, uh, I want to say it was Hell's Bells. And we got done and Stevie even exclaimed, that's how it's supposed to sound. It's like, wow. Approval like from hear. Stevie. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He actually had to do the um, the last cannon fire, uh, the fire for me because in the band I'd always let my rhythm guitar player do it, so I didn't know exactly when to come in. Yeah. So we got to the end of the song and I'm already on nerves and I missed my intro, so he did that for me. But then, so he, what, he made the sound the, of a cannon. Well, no, 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 the fire. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, I guess that was a little <laughs> my fault. No, that's funny. So tell us your experience with each band member as you're singing around these guys. Uh, Stevie didn't have a whole lot to say other than that, which I guess was saying enough. Chris was really nice to me. The other guys, I guess I guess they all smoked cigarettes, actually. So they all go outside on break and smoke, and I did not want to do anything to you know, impede my progress, and cigarette smoke is one of those. So I stayed inside, and Chris stayed inside, and we chit-chatted a little bit. Nothing above small talk at all. Uh, Cliff... Myself and Angus ate lunch together. Uh, we talked about Harleys and how they've wrecked them and how they don't ride them anymore. Oh. Uh, so they were just trying to get some insight in my personal life, and I do ride. And um, Cool. So I guess it wasn't for them. <laughs> so um, after lunch, the atmosphere changed to rock or bust, literally. And what happened next? So you immediately kick into what song? Um, it's the first thing you played. Do you I want to say because the uh, touch too much went well for sound check that that's the one we did first, uh, suggested by the sound tech funny guy, man. He was hilarious. Um, actually really liked him. Little short guy too. Apparently I don't know. All foreign guys are short. That's why you didn't get the job. You know? Yeah. I was, well, I heard that several <laughs> times. I was too tall for the job. You're too tall for the job. Because, uh, Axel himself is not very tall, but yes, yeah, so we both sound touch too much, but I, as soon as the actual band fired up, and Angus started playing, it was game on. It's all um, smiles from you, I bet. Yeah. So I yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I was grinning ear to ear, like, this is this is great. Uh and Tracy, the guitar tech, even looked at me and was like, Okay, you're good now. You know. You I see it in your, yeah, I can see it in your face. Um, and we did that, man. We did about three songs. 
the guys went out and took a smoke break. And I think during that time they said, well, let's stick it to them because then we went for about three more hours straight. What? So three hours. I think they just wanted to see if it had the longevity. And, and you did. I did. <laughs> wow. So um, we did that. It was awesome. We played the entire set. Uh, we played a couple songs that weren't on the set. Um, when they did that smoke break, were you freaked out a little bit, or what were you thinking at that time? I was thinking that I really should be out there talking with them. Yeah. Um, you know, rubbing shoulders and or elbows, as they say, I guess, and right. you know, showing a little bit of personality. And but instead, I was just. Sitting there at the desk, waiting to go to work, I guess you could say. Plus, they might have needed that time to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, that whole thing. Uh, if they had to come back in after three songs and said, see you never, you right. know, that would have been a little different attitude right. uh, angle from it. So, so you got the ACDC Marshall stacks, you're all by yourself. When they come back in, what were you thinking? I, I just assumed at that point we would go uh, in a similar fashion two or three songs take a break, two or three songs, take a break, or maybe I had to get some sort of feedback or something. Uh, but Angus literally left it up to me to pick the next song we were playing, which I found horrifying. Um, <laughs> so I just went down the set list. You know, he had it posted there on the drum riser, and so oh, okay. we just went down the set list. Like, so you, you know just what? followed what yeah. they... Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Smart. Like, no. So instead of some obscure... Yeah. Well, tube. I think um, Giving a Dog a Bone is one of my favorites. Oh, wow. They so, broke that out? Yeah, oh, well, of course they know every song they ever written, I'm sure, to an extent. Wow. Um, they don't even play that very often. They actually played it with Axel, uh, and you're right. And, and then they even posted, it's the first time they played it in such and such and such. Or Yeah, you know. I had heard that Axel really extracted a lot of songs out of ACDC that they hadn't played yep. in years. Um, and I think it was Chris Slade who told me that, and he said that Chris, Chris Slade had asked to play Touch Too Much years ago, uh-huh. and Malcolm shut him down. And then Axel comes along and says, hey, what do you think about Touch Too Much? And Angus is like, yeah, sure. So that must have been, Chris must have been like... Yeah, <laughs> this new guy, what? <laughs> Speaking of Chris, I heard um, that he played so loud that you kept thinking there was someone behind you. Yeah, well, I thought it was Angus behind me. Because I, as big as the room was, I was still relatively close with the monitor set up to the drum riser. Yeah. And the, you know, the concussion or whatever coming off of his drum kit was, you know, the wind was hitting me in the back. And I thought it was just Angus. So I kept itching forward. And next thing you know, I'm straddling the monitor. And I look back and Angus is on the other side of the 30-foot wide room. Wow. And I'm just like, oh, well, I guess I can back up now. It's just... And what was Angus wearing? He obviously didn't have uh, a jeans and a shirt. I want to say he was in a, I want to say he was in a black t-shirt. Okay. Was he moving at all? Yes. Not nearly as much as the stage show would yeah. be. But um, uh, my Angus and uh, Jeff, he actually asked me how they compared. And I said, you could just feel the energy coming off of Angus in the room. I wow. Mean, he just was electrifying. Um, so he was just in between songs when I'm supposed to be picking the next one, he's back there on the kit, one leg propped up, just noodling down, going to town. Amazing. Kicking. So, yeah, and you've was, got your own personal Angus Young jukebox yeah. at your disposal. You were <laughs> like, much. okay, uh, let's play this next. Let's yeah. play Highway to Hell, you know? He, so, didn't, uh, he did not give me the vibe that he was aging, older, ready to quit. Feeling down, nothing. He just seemed ready to play. Wow. And, and by the way, just just for listeners' sake, how old are you at this point? Uh, 33 now. Okay. So you're quite younger than the boys. Uh, yes. <laughs> so not only are you super tall, but also... <laughs> 
20, 30, 40 years yeah. younger. I can't. We did the math on me versus the next youngest guy, and it was you know, 30, 25, 30 years easy, especially wow. at the time. I think, what was like 28, 29? Right. So, wow. So give us a rundown of the set list if you if you have a good memory for that. What did you play? You know, all the classics, Highway to Hell, Hell's Bells, for those about to rock, um, everything for that. Uh, I want to say we did a Rocker Bust, of course. Was it Play Ball, I think, was on that one? Yep. And then um, one that I really dislike. Uh-oh. Uh, I didn't know there were any of those. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Something about going out on the town... Sin City? Uh, no, no, I love that song. It was it's off the new album. Yeah. Oh, it's off. Oh, oh, it's off the new album. Yeah. So there's only three or four. Rock from and the Roll new Thunder. Album. Yes, that one. Yeah. And I, I just I could never Weren't find myself in that song, and uh, it's kind of in the middle. Yeah. You don't know which way to go, right? So it just kind of it never fit with me, and I think if I, anything, I did a terrible job on it, probably. But did I read that you guys also auditioned Guns for Hire? That is one of my favorites to perform, so it's very possible. Also, okay. it's pretty killer, and I thought if I could be impressive, then sing it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I thought I came across that somewhere. I was like, oh, my God, that would have been amazing yeah. to play with us. It was, uh, again, I was a man running on no sleep and really tired, and it was all so fast that... You don't have a recording, too. I mean, how... Yeah, I did ask for the recording, and uh, I asked Tim, the tour manager, and he said that that would be in the vault and would not be out until the vault is opened. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> so we quick, can put quick a collection note. together for you. Oh, wouldn't that maybe? be something? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So um, as you scanned the room, what was the vibe you were getting from your performance? Man, I, I, I didn't really pick up on anything as far as that goes. Um, it just felt very business-like. Yeah. Um, I think that that is ACDC. Yeah. I think they're very business. Well, and I was told time and time again, you know, and I don't want to ruin the whole idea of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but the guys are older now, and they have built an ACDC empire. So I think that's what they wanted to portray to me in my 20s, who was wide open. Uh, it's a business now, and yes, we play rock and roll, and yes, we cater to the masses, but we don't, you know, shoot whiskey and snort cocaine anymore. We just <laughs> So they were afraid of you. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I actually text one of my girlfriends and I uh, said it just took a room full of rock stars to put me in my place. <laughs> so now we know what it takes. <laughs> oh my God. So who was in the room with you when you were auditioning besides ACDC? Was Ellen in there? Was there a road crew? She was manager? in there. Uh, the tech crew was in there. And then Chris and Tim, the tour manager and stage manager, they were outside for some time. Okay. About halfway through, they came in and sat on the couch and made me really nervous and just stared at me the entire time. <laughs> oh. So that was awkward. But I guess if they came in there, if you can captivate anyone, you know, that's part of people you want to captivate. So. so out of curiosity, I think I know the answer to this. What's the hardest Brian Johnson song to sing? It's not, uh, I guess, vocally the hardest, but the, my, my lung capacity has trouble keeping up with Back in Black. Because he kind of just spits words out kind of fast. Yeah, it's like a rap. They, yeah, they connect together. Um, and then the higher the notes and the more rasp you use, you know, the more air it requires. So you, eventually I run out and have to figure out where to pace myself in that one. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's kind of like a scat where he's just wrapping up lines and yeah. before rap was even big. And <laughs> um, I had heard where the producer, uh, Mutt Lang, asked him to strip out a verse and 
say a line every other oh, yeah. verse because there was just too many words. Thankfully, he ignored Robert. Uh, right, and just did it, and <laughs> did it with, yeah, but it sounds I can see where that would be hard to sing. So, there's that one in uh, Shoot to Thrill is always very taxing. That's the one, so yeah. that's the one I thought you were gonna say. Oh, yeah, sorry, no, nope. <laughs> you got it right, yeah. you got it right. Um, I'm, over the years, that one has become easier and easier. I've yeah. learned my own voice in the song, how to hit the notes where I needed to put them, and where to breathe when I need to breathe, which makes a huge difference. So, yeah. Shoot out, shoot out, shoot out, shoot out. And how about Bond? What's the hardest Bond song to sing? Um, the thing about Bond stuff is it's not my voice can handle it. Um, he is more of like a slow, sexy singer. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Um, it's just to try and recreate his sound for the audience that wants to hear that. That's they're all difficult. Yeah. Um, in that respect. So, but I think as far as I can't think of any Bond songs that are necessarily hard to sing. Um, his voice and the way he puts his words together fit me well in yeah. my breathing style, so it just works. What's the last song you played? Was it for those about to rock? Uh, I believe, yeah, that that sounds right. Yep. So then Angus takes off his guitar, grabs his throat, and what does he say? These everlasting oh. words to you. Well, this is actually the I think one of the last things he said to me, and uh, there's actually a little bit better part before that. But he just grabs his throat and looks me right in the eyes, and he says, which also didn't make me feel very good. Uh, no matter what happens here, you have an amazing gift. I'm like. Okay, that's again. Here's some guitar picks. You sound great. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> well, well, that's quite a compliment from Mr. Young. Yeah, and and it's kind of like, eh, did he really mean it, or was he just trying to make me feel better because he knows he's not going to hire me? Right. Um, but before, prior to that, Angus and Cliff took me aside, and this is where I really thought, you know, the performance I thought went well. Uh, Stevie's comment made me feel good. Yeah, and then Cliff and Angus are. You know, going at me, can you do this for three days straight? Can you do this here? Can you, you know, can you physically hold up? And I'm thinking, you wouldn't be asking me this if you didn't think I sounded good enough to at least try. Um, mm -hmm. Which my response was, yeah. You know, in the early years, no, I couldn't. But at that point, I couldn't. I'd been practiced enough and had been trained enough to it. So so that got you thinking, like, wow. Yep. Okay. That did. In yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, they wouldn't care to ask those questions. Yeah, um, Tim, tour manager, sent me back to the hotel after that, which, you know, the questions made me feel like kind of like a post-interview or a second, a follow-up interview, right, you know. Right. Um, so I go to get out of the car with Tim at the hotel, and he grabs me by the arm before I get out, and he says, go to the restaurant, have some drinks, have dinner. It's all on us. You've earned it. Have a drink on me. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And then Sorry, he said, and I then he, and then, yeah, right. You have to, <laughs> he said, uh, he said, you have a, an awesome mixture of a, a Brian Bond sound all in one. It just sounded great. And I thought, well, there you go. I said, yeah. the man in charge of tour likes it enough to stop me on the way out. Tim's a tall dude, right? He is massive. Yeah. He's like a, so he was seven, seven, one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's a little menacing. So I come down the uh, elevator to meet up with him and uh, Chris the night before. And I see Chris, and he is an itty-bitty guy, 
not much bigger than Angus. And I see Tim sitting, and I can see from him sitting that he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, he stands up to shake my hand, and I'm just staring <laughs> at a tree like, wow, you are a giant. Wow. So you flew home to North Carolina the next day, and you waited and waited and waited, and you had this gentleman's agreement with the guys, which was basically, until we say something, you don't say anything. So what, what could you say? I mean, the guys in your band must have been like, okay, what happened? Well, I could talk about it with, uh, you know, close relatives and friends and obviously my band members, as long as I felt comfortable that they wouldn't go talk about it. Right. Um, my dad was the hardest one to not get him to call radio stations and newspapers. <laughs> and, I'm, and he's like, oh, just let me do it. It'll be fine. I'm like, just don't do it. You know, I had to tell him, so you're going to cost me this opportunity by right. doing this. right. So um, the message arrived 10 days later in the form of a text? No. No? Which is how I knew it was bad news when I got the email. Okay. Because Tim, the tour manager, and I had shifted to text messaging. Okay. Very early on. And it was very, like, no punctuation, you know. Right. Just, yeah, man, see you soon. Pizza at 10 kind of text. And uh, then when I got an email... I don't even know if it was from Tim, the email. And I saw the email, which was a professional way of saying, sorry, you didn't get the job. Okay. You know, and before I even read it, as soon as I saw the email, I knew. So that was kind of like... Uh, the band is going in another direction. Yeah. Something like that. It was something exactly like that. <laughs> <I> can, <laughs> How did that make you feel? What was your first um, reaction? Well, so when I flew back, um, you know, I shook hands with Tim. And he said, if we need you again, you're close by. We can fly you down real quickly. And that kind of, to me, was a sign-off anyways. Um, and then a buddy of mine, he kind of knows some guys in the camp and knows he's in with the ACDC crowd. Oh. And so as soon as I landed back in Raleigh, I had a text from him who said, hey, by the way, Axel was at the hotel with you. Wow. So before any of this went down, I kind of knew. And I saw a lot of um, online magazine articles with Axel in front of the same studio that I was at. Um, that was going on at the same time. Yeah. He was at the same hotel while I was there. and That's how you found at, out. Yeah. I found out before I found out. And then uh, Chris had a certain way of talking. And I can't promise it was his words in the magazines and the articles, but it sounded much like him. Yeah. And so I knew that whoever was posting these pictures and it was a legitimate source, you know, so. So how does that make you feel that you're up against Axel Rose? <laughs> well, everybody says it was a great thing. And it is. If I'd have lost out to some other kid from STEM, I really would have had like a confidence shake um mm-hmm. so you lost out to a big name and everybody says well it's because he's famous already this it doesn't hurt other. it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt and i and then people tell me how much better they think i am than axel fine everyone has their opinions you know thank you um but in the long run in my opinion is everybody who turned in a ticket because brian wasn't on the tour an axel fan bought a ticket whereas yeah. All the Brian tickets got turned in. They're going to go, who is Lee Robinson? We're not buying a ticket for that I kid. remember that. So Brian fans were turning their oh, tickets yeah. in. I mean, you know, people had had those tickets way in advance. They yeah. were just giving them back. Yeah. Yeah, so, there was quite a divide. Yeah. It's quite a divide. So, and ironically, you're an even bigger Guns N' Roses fan. Yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. Um, when I joined Thunderstruck, it was... Um, it was by choice, of course. Everyone has a choice, but it was more of a, hey, we fired our singer. You're our new singer. See you Tuesday. <laughs> and uh, I went That's into the room. Good job interview. Yeah. I went into the room. I knew one song, uh, which just so happens to be a song we don't play anymore. It's uh, Dirty Deeds was the one song I knew when I entered the room. Hmm. Um, but I grew up with Axel 
I liked Axel's kiss my ass attitude. Yeah. I liked his stage antics. Not the walking off stage and not finishing the show, but... Or showing up. Yeah, or showing up three hours later. <laughs> I actually personally experienced that, and it was terrible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a huge Guns N' Roses fan. I liked the songs. I liked what they were about. I liked him. Did you ever hear anything about Brian's departure? I mean, it was pretty odd. I was told um, that it was hearing loss. Which is a valid point, but the way it was done was so awkward to me. Yeah. And and many fans, so I didn't know. I'm su- I was, suppose you didn't hear anything that... I asked about his hearing specifically, mm-hmm. um, and I was told that he was 100% deaf in one ear and 60 in the other. And wow. then I asked how the relationship was in the band, and I was told that we would not touch that topic. So... That's not good. Yeah, it's not good. Um, yeah. For many reasons, who knows? I think everyone surmised that, but yeah. it was, you know... On with the show, and uh, let's hope they're back. And uh, by the time this comes out, maybe they'll even have uh, Brian back in there. Yeah, or or me, whatever. Or you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had heard a quote from Roger Daltrey, and he said, "Go and see karaoke with Axl Rose. Give me a break." Yeah, I mean, and it'd be the same no matter who they replace him with. But I mean, you didn't hear anybody complaining about Stevie taking over or. Chris taking over on drums, so... Well, the front man's a real challenge, always. It is, you know? um, but they've done it before, when yeah. they went from Bond to Brian. Right. Uh, Hasn't been done very much in rock history. Not at successfully. all. Successfully. Yeah. But, um, so when the summer rolled around, did you get to see Axel perform I with did. ACDC? I, I was did. there as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think? It was all right. <laughs> right. I thought he did well enough that unless he really did something they didn't like that he would have the gig for the remainder of the tour. Yep. Um, because everybody was wondering, can Axel do it? Can he keep his panties on, you know, whatever. And age does a lot to people, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, losing your entire fan base just about and whatever. I don't know. So did you get to see the boys? I only, well, yes. Uh, so I went backstage, hung out, uh, hung out with Cliff and Chris I said hey to Stevie on his way out. He was in a not happy mood. Don't know what happened. And then uh, went and hung out with Angus separately for a whole 45 seconds. Oh, wow. So, Man, I I was there at that show, and um, one distinct memory, it's kind of off topic, but it it has burned in my head. It was Stevie playing Let There Be Rock, and at the end, him leaning back against the Marshalls, barely able to breathe oh yeah it was just (laughs) unbelievable how much effort it took for him to play that tune oh yeah uh not an easy track but uh it shows you how much of a machine malcolm was and i know they both play i'm not gonna say the same but aggressively yeah um i know i I have been told that malcolm would run through guitar picks like nobody's business but i have watched stevie do it just like a sawmill just like go through a pick every song so. It's pretty amazing. So you went backstage. Did you say, hey, guys, um, can I go up and play a tune with you? Uh, well, the show was over. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And they kept a very, uh, you're a backstage guest, not a guy we know. Oh. Um, but it was actually great because I was standing in the backstage room. Uh, they had all kinds of food and stuff and drinks, and I had way too much wine. But um, standing there, the whole room is packed, and nobody is saying a word to me because they all know each other. 
and nobody knows me. And then Cliff walks in the room, and the first person, hey, Lee, what's up? And the whole room just dead stopped, like, who is this guy Cliff's talking to? It's like, so we shook hands, and I uh, asked him what kind of whiskey he was drinking. He said, I don't know where they put in my cup. It's <laughs> like, okay. Because I wanted to know what kind of his personal flavor was. Right. You know. Um, That's he, very cool, Cliff. Yeah, he made his rounds. He took a picture with the girl that I brought in. Uh, they allowed me one guest. Took a picture with her. And then um, talked to Chris about his previous band life. Getting ready to leave, and Tim, the tour manager, comes up and grabs me. He says, hey, come here real quick. And I went back into uh, Angus's dressing room and just kind of hung out with him. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Took a picture. He said, was that it? I said, well, I'll hang out here all night. And he looked tired. Yeah, I bet. And uh, Tim was like, let's just... You know, let's get Gave out of here. Give you the nod. <laughs> yeah. Time to go. Time to get out that of here. That was very cool. Yeah. That you uh, got a little chance to. I did want to meet Axel, but I knew that wasn't going to happen, so. Yeah. So that's your nemesis, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not at all, but. <laughs> no. I'm no. sure uh, I've heard some of my other interviews, and I've heard some of the way they've clipped it, and I've heard some of the things I said, and it's like, yeah, it could be misconstrued, but that's not what I meant at all. Yeah. Because um, I would love to meet Axel. And right. Right. Be cool. How ironic. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about the ACDC tribute band, Thunderstruck, which formed in 2013. Uh, founder Jeff Young, who plays Angus on stage, isn't quite as young as you are. Correct. Um, in fact, he used to play in a band with your dad, right? Yes. <laughs> Covering like Cinderella and Rat and um, all those they 80s did, bands. They um, did original project and covers, which is how I guess a lot of guys break out on the scene anyways. Sure. Um, and yeah, that whole shebang my dad is more of a southern rock singer so he did that they had a guy named uh rick who ended up singing for jeff later in highway to hell which was excuse me high voltage which was the band before i was in it okay um so rick would cover the stuff he's about cinderella rat things like that and whereas my dad would he was mostly the originals okay the southern rock side just to appeal to anyone in a bar right so yeah i think jeff's known me since i was about five years old like i said i'm 33 now um, I guess my dad was probably what my age when that started going down. Amazing. 60, so. So Jeff um, saw you singing a bar, a biker band or a biker yeah, bar or uh, something? Well, you know, Jeff's known me, like I said, since I was five, and I didn't just start doing music when I met Jeff, you know. So he knew of the fact that I had started singing. Um, I want to say I was, well, I sang all through elementary school, and I got lost, or I'm going to say lost, but... I spent a lot of time doing sports uh, through middle school and high school. Okay. And then at the end of my high school, uh, I started singing again. And he just kind of knew about it. Knew yeah. I could do it. And Not an easy thing to pull off. I've known singers try to sing ACDC, and it's a whole different ballgame. Oh, yes. It's, it'll, it's taxing. Yeah. But so he, he was playing with a buddy of mine in a bar with High Voltage. And uh, I showed up. He let me sing a song. I had to read the lyrics off a cell phone. Hmm. <laughs> And uh, that's when, the, like I said, the next day he called me and said, we fired our singer, see you Tuesday. It's like, oh, wow, right. you got the gig. Yeah. So what's the best thing about a tribute band to you? It pays well. <laughs> Does it? That's good yeah. to know. Uh, you can be in an original band in bars beating yourself to death. I mean, you're loading your own PA, you're playing six hours a night, you're hungry, it pays nothing, nobody cares. You play to the bartender. Right. And you're playing your favorite part of your favorite song that you wrote that means the world to you. And the bartender walks outside to smoke a cigarette and they were the only person in the room listening anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it just, it sucks when that happens. Um, so with the tribute band, yeah, you're not 
in your own element necessarily and you're not doing your own thing, but you're getting paid to do it. You're playing to thousands of people traveling. I get to travel the world, literally. So really, I've been down to Honduras several times now and Germany several times, you know, which is the main two countries I've played in, but I get to hit France and Iceland and, you know, Wow, is this before they found out you tried out or afterwards? This is after. Because of the notoriety of... pretty much, exactly. Which is not a bad thing to happen either. No, no, that's awesome. So what other ACDC tribute bands have you uh, run into or how does that work now knowing Um, that you auditioned? Actually, my first experience in Honduras was with Back in Black, who the other guy auditioned. But, the lead um, singer of Back in Black. Back in Black, yeah. He was there, and so Mike, their guitar player, questioned me. Uh, while we were there, I met up with him in the hotel. It's easy to spot another long hair from across the room, and uh, he just asked me what I'd be interested in filling in for his band sometime, if need be. I've seen that band. They're pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I said yes, and then he told me that um, his singer was having trouble with his passport and couldn't get to Honduras and asked me if I wanted to go, and why not? Wow. So just the third most dangerous country in the world, but yeah, but you're the lead singer of ACDC. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one's gonna touch you. We actually had a uh, armored guard escorting us the whole time. Wow! So that was uh, interesting and new as a tribute band. That's yeah. Even- well, I, I don't know necessarily because of our, you know, status, but just because the country itself is a little intense. And what do the fans say to you when they come up to you, knowing? Your situation. Some of them don't know. Some of them talk to me about Axel. Some of them talk to me about the other guys that they know who did audition, and which is comical. I don't bring it up. I just let them talk just to see what they're going to say. Yeah. Um, and then again, some people kind of hunt me down and they want a picture and they want an autograph and they want to ask me the exact same questions you're asking me. So yeah, I get to replay it. Yeah. <laughs> I get a free, free drink or whatever. I don't, I, we and, buy you a drink, buddy. <laughs> right. And the funny thing is that I didn't realize this. It's kind of refreshing in a way is that you're not a typical ACDC fan. Like the first time you heard ACDC, it did change your life. You know, you were just uh, hired in an ACDC tribute band and you're reading the words off a cell phone. I love that. Yeah, I guess I think that hurts a lot of people's feelings. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, but I, I think in the long run, that's helped me because a lot of these guys in tribute bands, they want to be that guy so hard. They cannot think of any further musical career for themselves aside from pretending to be that famous guy, which is something I ever wanted to be. So yeah, I think that's benefited me in the long run. How about the other guys in your band? Do they feel like they are Malcolm Young and Angus? And uh, No, I think it means a little more to Jeff because yeah. it is his favorite band. Sure. Um, so the performances, he likes to keep them a little more by the book. Yeah. Whereas I may take the hat off and let my hair down and, you know, run around a little more, sure. you know, my ad lib is very much my own, not something that Brian would say, or uh, maybe something Bond would say, but Jeff. That's very cool for Jeff to kind of see this come to fruition in front of his eyes to yeah. see you go on like that. And, um, and um, congrats to Thunderstruck. I hope to uh, get to see you guys play around sometime soon. Describe how it is to be on stage performing as two different singers. Uh, yeah. Or is it all meld into one for you? A little bit of both, yeah. yeah. Um, certain songs you have to sing a certain way because that's just how they are. I mean, they're classic Brian songs. If I sang them in a Bon Scott manner, it just would sound awkward, and, you know, that would be terrible. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it shifts. 
Um, it's clean highs versus a raspy high, so or gravelly or whatever you want to call it. It's it works. And how how has ACDC influenced your life? Influenced my life well. Uh, I come from a town population of 512. So I guess ACDC got me out of that town. I mean, see the world, a little more cultured. I mean, the world's not so small to me anymore and also not so big as far as I realized that, you know, life happens everywhere and yours is not the most important one and your problems are no different than anyone else's. So I think it's just, it's made the world make a little more sense. Wow. Deep from ACDC. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what do you hope to do in the future now that, you know, what's, what has your future been like in your, your, your experience after this audition? Uh, at first it was, um, it was cool. Then it was depressing because you got tired of hearing about the fact that you're not making right. millions of dollars ACDC. Um, and then you just had to pick back up. Um, I told myself if I had not made any kind of musical career for myself by 30, I'd get a real job. Uh, so I started driving trucks at just after the audition. And that was good for me for a little while. And then I got in contact with a guy named John Bradford and he has now put me to work full time as a musician, uh, singing again. So that's great. Hopefully, because I play so often now and so all over, get a little more exposure, a little more notoriety, and can take it in an original project that you know covers some ground. Is it um, you're literally a gun for hire? Just whoever needs the vocals for that particular band. Yeah, to an extent. Um, I was really cheap that way, but <laughs> well, it's kind of cool. It's like um, you know, it's like a session guy for vocals, which is kind of unheard of, which is interesting. I think a lot of it is uh, just being able to sing the songs. Yeah, you know, people see me on stage or hear something, and they go, "Wow, that guy could do that." And then next thing you know, I got a business card for a studio or something like that, or "Hey, our band is doing this." And it's, you know, um, hopefully, it lands me in a better seat one day. <laughs> Lee, thank you so much for joining us here on ACDC Beyond the Thunder and sharing your incredible experiences with our podcast listeners. And although you didn't get the gig to fill in as lead singer for ACDC, for one day, Lee Robinson got to stand in the shoes of Brian Johnson and Bon Scott and sing in the presence of rock and roll icons. How cool is that? We leave you with our final question, which is if you had to describe ACDC in one word, what would it be? Pleasant. <laughs> Isn't that I, the worst thing to say about a rock and roll band? <laughs> that, I guarantee you, no one has said that one yet. <laughs> ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast. All rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Shuzzbot. Nanu Nanu. <laughs> <laughs>